Bibles to the letter written by Jude. We're going to begin by looking at verses 17 through 19. But please keep your Bibles open because we are going to be looking across what Jude has written in a sermon that we have entitled this morning, A Short Distance from Truth to Total Loss. Verses 17 through 19. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, quote, In the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. End of quote. Jude continued, These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. It's A.D. 67 as Jude sits down to compose his letter. The curtain is soon to close on the age of the apostles. By now, the news has traveled back to Jerusalem of the executions of Paul and Peter in Rome by Emperor Nero. The storm clouds of the most cataclysmic event in Jewish history are forming on the horizon when Jerusalem will be destroyed in 70 AD by the Roman army. The prophetic words of Jesus will be fulfilled, that not a single temple building block will remain in place on another. The Jews will be scattered. And for 1,878 years, Israel will cease to exist as a political entity. The church in Jerusalem that has been central to the mission of the apostolic fathers will be displaced. And next generation names like Ignatius of Antioch and Polycarp of Smyrna will lead the church into its second century. And yet, even in the middle of all of this, the gospel of Jesus Christ is continuing to be revealed in apostolic clarity and fullness. Matthew and Luke are compiling their gospel accounts. John's gospel, letters, and apocalypsis will be forthcoming in later years. And Jude is eager to write about this glorious salvation in Christ that was common to people all over the Roman Empire, transcending race, culture, and social standing. So it is with anticipation and excitement that Jude dips his quill into the ink and writes his opening words, Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who have been called, loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Jude's eyes and spirit linger over the words he has just written. He remembers with a pang of shame the days when he considered his older brother a lunatic, an embarrassment to him and his siblings, and a danger to his own self. His mind goes to the disbelief that he experienced when he encountered the one he had known from his mother to have been crucified now undeniably alive and yet bearing the marks of his execution by the Romans. 
He had realized then that this was more than his older brother. This was the Christ, the Son of God, crucified and resurrected. What mercy that he, such a skeptic, should have the honor of claiming to be a doulos, a slave of Christ. This is truly a glorious salvation. And Jude wonders, how can I express all that it means to me? But before he can continue with his intended thoughts, the Holy Spirit begins to press. In the way that you might press your thumb into modeling clay, another perspective into his mind. It is a thought so different from what he had been thinking and one that profoundly affects his spirit as he is transported into the spiritual realm and begins to experience divine revelation and insight as scenes from eternity past through the history of his ancestors are being unveiled in his mind with a clarity and an understanding that he has never experienced. The words that follow are quite different from what Jude had originally intended, spilling from his spirit onto the page as he now writes, driven with an urgency by the Spirit of Christ, Dear friends, I wanted very much to write to you concerning the salvation we share. Instead, I have to write insisting, begging, that you fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and cherish. As Jude looks beyond his own heart that is rejoicing in this glorious and shared salvation, there is a deeply troubling scene, one of doctrinal corruption, spiritual laxity, that is spread among believers and through the churches. He continues to write, Some people have slipped in among you unnoticed. Not long ago they were condemned in writing for the following reason. They are people to whom God means nothing. They use God's kindness as an excuse for sexual freedom and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Astoundingly, with the light of original apostolic revelation still shining, the golden age of the apostles is, however, already being overshadowed by the age of apostasy. It is a short distance from truth to total loss. Between his first and second uses of dear friends, Jude documents a history of apostasy by those who knew the truth, who had experienced the reality of the true holy God, and yet discarded it in rebellion against spiritual oversight and for indulgence in self-will and sense-oriented desires. Jude begins with his own Jewish ancestors, God's chosen people of Israel. I'm laying this out for you as clearly as I can, he writes. Even though you once knew all this well enough and shouldn't need reminding, 
the Lord, who once saved a people out of Egypt, later destroyed those who didn't maintain their faith. The Holy Spirit then directed Jews' attention to eternity past, when Lucifer exalted himself, drew a third of the angels into his deception, and there was war in the heavenlies. He writes, Remember the angels who did not stay within the limits of their proper authority, but abandoned their own dwelling place. They are bound with eternal chains in the darkness below, where God is keeping them for that great day on which they will be condemned. Jude returns to the biblical historical record, and drawing on the authority of Peter's apostolic revelation, he continues, And don't forget the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, all full of lust of every kind, including lust of men for other men. Those cities were destroyed by fire and continue to be a warning to us that there is a hell in which sinners are punished. And then he made application. In the same way these people, these false teachers, carelessly go right on living their evil and moral lives, degrading their bodies, and laughing at those in authority over them, even scoffing at the glorious ones. But even Michael, one of the mightiest angels, dare not accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people, these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction. How horrible it will be for them. By now, Jude is deeply aware of the overriding and inspiring influence of the Holy Spirit directing him what to write. This is far beyond the joy that was in his own heart when he sat down to write this letter. His thoughts and words are not his own. And he understands what the Apostle Peter meant when he wrote, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding, or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. When he is next prompted to, by the Spirit to write, Woe upon them, for they follow the example of Cain who killed his brother, his mind is drawn back to the startling and frightening words of the Lord Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, never murder. Whoever murders will answer for it in court. But I guarantee you that whoever is angry with another believer will answer for it in court. Whoever calls another believer an insulting name will answer for it in the highest court. Whoever calls another believer a fool 
will answer for it in hellfire. Another name comes to Jude's mind, Balaam, representative of false teachers who will do anything for money. You know their names, you've seen their shenanigans, and heard their false gospel. Give me your money, and you will get a blessing from God. More godless teachers who claim to follow Jesus, but their words reveal that they have in truth rejected Jesus as their master because he said, I tell you that unless you give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. Remind them of Korah, prompts the Holy Spirit. Jude's thoughts go back in history to a fateful, terrifying scene during the wanderings in the Sinai Peninsula. Korah, a Levite, chosen and set apart to minister in the presence of the Lord who is holy. Korah, who whispered to others his dissatisfaction with the spiritual oversight of Moses and Aaron. Korah, who convinced 250 other leaders that they did not have to follow the leadership of Moses or submit to his directions. We can worship God however we want. Our way is just as good as what you say is the right way. Oh, please remember, my readers, thinks Jude. Grumbling against and rejecting spiritual leadership is so disastrous. Korah, the Lord growled, The Lord God split the ground open underneath his feet and devoured him and his men and their families and their possessions. And the 250 leaders, fire came out of the Lord God and burned them alive while they were offering incense to the Lord. It is a short distance from truth to total loss. The Holy Spirit, who knows the mind of the one who is the true gardener, and the one who knows and judges the thoughts and intent of every heart, begins to bring to mind for Jude metaphors to describe these people. These people who, as he said, follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Jude writes, These people are blemishes at your times of communion, eating with you without the slightest qualm. These people, therefore, are Ezekiel shepherds, feeding only themselves, sheep who trample the pasture and muddy the water. Jude writes another metaphor. They are like clouds blowing over dry land without giving rain, promising much, but producing nothing. They are like fruit trees without any fruit at picking time. Like the fig tree cursed by Jesus because it was all leaves and no fruit. Jude continues, 
they are not only dead, but doubly dead. For they have been pulled out roots and all to be burned. It's just as the Lord Jesus said, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Jude writes, They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They wander around looking bright as stars, but ahead of them is the everlasting gloom and darkness that God has prepared for them. And then he draws on extra-biblical sources and writes, Enoch, who lived seven generations after Adam, knew about these men and said this about them, See, the Lord is coming with millions of his holy ones. He will bring the people of the world before him in judgment, to receive just judgment and to prove the terrible things they have done in rebellion against God, revealing all they have said against him. And then Jude writes, These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Do they not remember, thought Jude, what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth? For we must never forget, dear brothers, what happened to our people in the wilderness long ago. God guided them by a cloud that moved along ahead of them, and he brought them all safely through the waters of the Red Sea. This might be called their baptism. Baptized both in sea and cloud, as followers of Moses, their commitment to him as their leader. And by a miracle, God sent them food to eat and water to drink there in the desert. They drank the water that Christ gave them. He was there with them as a mighty rock of refreshment. Yet after all this, most of them did not obey God, and he destroyed them in the wilderness. From this lesson, Paul continued, we are warned that we must not desire evil things as they did, nor worship idols as they did. The scripture tells us, the people sat down to eat and drink and then got up to dance in worship of the golden calf. Another lesson for us is what happened when some of them sinned with other men's wives, and 23,000 fell dead that day. And don't try the Lord's patience. They did and died from snake bites. And don't murmur against God and his dealings with you as some of them did. For that is why God sent his angel 
to destroy them. The Apostle Paul summarized it by saying this, All these things happen to them as examples, as object lessons to us, to warn us against doing the same things. They were written down so that we could read about them and learn from them in these last days as the world nears its end. So be careful. If you are thinking, oh, I would never behave like this, let this be a warning to you, for you too may fall into sin. It is a short distance from truth to total loss. When Jude now writes, Dear Friends, for the second time in his letter, it is to say, But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own evil desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Look at that line, verse 17. Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. The astonishing reality is that what the apostles foretold concerning the last times is already happening. When Jude makes makes reference to the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, and what they foretold. He is quoting from Peter's second letter, chapter 3 and verse 3, a letter that Peter wrote to remind believers that they need to build up their faith in light of the apostasy that will characterize the last days. As he said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The context of this verse that Jude quoted is 2 Peter chapter 3. And in warning believers, Peter wrote these words, My dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both letters to stir up your sincere understanding with a reminder. I want you to recall what the holy prophets foretold, as well as what the Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, know this. In the last days, scoffers will come, jeering, living by their own cravings and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? After all, nothing has changed not since the beginning of creation, nor even since our ancestors died. But they failed to notice. By God's word, heaven and earth were formed long ago out of water and by means of water. And it was through these that the world of that time was flooded and destroyed. But by the same word, heaven and earth are now held in reserve for fire kept for the judgment day and destruction of ungodly people. Don't let it escape your notice, dear friends, that with the Lord a single day is like a thousand years, 
and a thousand years are like a single day. The Lord isn't slow to keep His promise, as some think of slowness, but He is patient toward you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day the heavens will pass away with a dreadful noise. The elements will be consumed by fire, and the earth and all the works done on it will be exposed since everything will be destroyed this way. What sort of people ought you to be? You must live holy and godly lives, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. Therefore, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort, make every effort, make every effort, to be found by him in peace, pure and faultless. The word apostle is apostolos. It means one set apart as a messenger or agent. Its root word, apostello, means set apart to be sent out. The apostles were set apart by the Lord Jesus Christ. He called them out of the world and commissioned them to represent him and take his gospel into all the world. The apostles are the foundation of the church, with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. They are the one through whom, as Jude wrote in verse 3, the message of faith in Jesus Christ was delivered in its totality once for all. To remind people that of that, the Lord Jesus Christ will say at the close of John's Apocalypsis, let everyone be cursed who adds words to this revelation, and let anyone be cursed who takes words away. Again, through the apostles, the message of faith in Jesus Christ was delivered in its totality once for all. There are no other Gospels. There are no other revelations. Be careful when you hear preachers use the word revelation. I've received a revelation from the Lord. I've received a new word from the Lord. The full revelation of God is contained in these pages that are within the covers of your Bible. There are no new revelations. God will illuminate His Word to us. But He does not give new revelations for people that are outside of these scriptures. Everything that God needed to say was said through the ones who were appointed and who were set apart, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. If you hear someone use that word revelation, make sure you examine the rest of their teaching, or better yet, just run. The word apostasy resembles the word apostle. If you have a pen and paper, write the two words down, 
If you don't, write them in your mind. Apostle. Apostasy. They share the same first five letters, and they share the same root word. But at that point, all resemblance ends. Apostasy is defined as a falling away. Both Jesus and Paul describe how many will turn away from the faith, abandoning their trust in Christ and following a false teaching and their own desires. The word apostasy is represented in the New Testament by a couple of words. Apostrepho is one of them. It means to turn back or to turn away. Another word that means to say adieu. By departing or dismissing, to renounce. The apostles are the source of our faith. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the understanding of his atoning work, the sinfulness of humanity, his accomplishment on the cross, our justification through his resurrection. All of these things are contained within the the revelation that has been given to us by the apostles. And yet... Just a short step away from many is apostasy. You and I know many who have turned back or turned away. We know many who have said adieu, adios, goodbye to the body of Christ and are no longer walking in fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ. And we also know many who have renounced the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Understand this. At one day, they sat where you were sitting. They sang what you were singing. They raised their hands. They praised the Lord, but something happened, and they turned away from the Lord. Now, Jude is not led by the Holy Spirit to encourage us to be faithful, to go to church when we can to have a Bible. He tells us that every step of the way must be a fight for our faith against the constant pressure and the deception that this world will bring against us. Because, as Jesus said, the love of most will grow cold in the last days. Jude begins his letter by telling us that we are kept by Christ. He ends it by writing that Christ is able to keep us from falling. In between, he reminds us, begs, urges, commands, build up your faith. What did you do this week to build up your faith? Parents, I gave you a practical application last Sunday to use with your children to take them deeper in the faith. How many of you put it into action? Or how many of you forgot about it right after you left? What did you do this week to build up your faith? Those who fell away stopped moving forward in Jesus Christ. They skipped a day here. They skipped a time 
with the body of Christ there. They prayed less. They were so busy, too busy to really fight. It became enough just to know. But knowing is not enough to keep us. Because unless we are fighting for our faith and unless we are building up our faith, it is only a short distance to total loss. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And for the next few minutes, I want you to examine your heart. Look at how you have spent your time this past week, what you have watched, what you have invested your life in. Is there within you an appeal, a love, a desire for Jesus? It is easy for us to say, yes, there is. But how did that desire evidence itself in your life this week? Did you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Were you excited to open God's Word, to study, to memorize, to build up your faith? Did you think about something that you could do and then think about spending time with the Lord and come to the conclusion, oh, this is far more worthwhile and far more enjoyable. I want to be with Jesus. What did you do, concrete, intentional, to build up your faith this week? What did you do, parents, to build up the faith of your children? What did you teach them that they need to be doing consistently as followers of Jesus Christ? Jude has presented us case study after case study. They went to church. They came to communion. They ate the same food. They drank the same spiritual drink. They experienced the presence of God. They knew the truth about God. But he said, they fell away. Unless you and I are moving forward, we are backsliding. Unless we are building, we are neglecting. Unless we are fighting, we are losing. What did you do this week to build up your faith? Because it is only a short distance from truth to total loss. Heavenly Father, we pray that your word will speak to our hearts today. Your word has helped us to understand a sober and dreadful truth. Apostasy is just around the corner. The possibility is always lurking in our sinful nature. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would stir our hearts. Stir us so that we will not make assumptions concerning our faith or our walk with you that we will not make assumptions concerning the faith of our children, that we will not be people of mere words, but people who truly have the Spirit of God. Father, I commit your word to the working and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Don't let us forget what you have said today. 
Work in our hearts and our lives to accomplish your purposes. I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <music>